The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's 56-28 win over the San Jose State Spartans at the Coliseum on Saturday night. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Garcia, Joe, along with my co-host in the Rancho Studio in Los Angeles, Alisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, it is a car cast. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. People love the car cast. We love to do the car cast, and here we go. It's like the the 10th season of car cast, and I was thinking about it. We. Uh, I think we started doing these in 2014. Yeah, and they've always been our favorite episodes to record. Uh, we used to do them in way different circumstances, in cars, in parking lots, in random spots in Los Angeles and other yes. cities yes. around the country. Now we get to do them in the comfort, well, holding holding mics in our hands, but having to be as, move like you couldn't move your hand <laughs> because you can hear when like, your finger moves on the mic. So we would just like be be standing there like holding the mic for an hour while we talked and then we'd finish and you'd sort of like unclench your hand and <laughs> the whole thing. In, so this is much, much more enjoyable. Yeah. In random parking lots, fogging up windows yeah. with, with security guards coming around. Um, I saw that there was a uh, there was a comment before we recorded uh, in here on YouTube from Luke. Uh, that said something about I, I missed it. It, it. I don't see it anymore. Uh, it was something about like oh there it is. Two hours is way too long after the game to go live. See this is actually early for us. Yeah. L- last year, yeah, home games we we immediately did the car cast, but we used to record the car cast at like four a.m. all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, because we both do all the post-game media stuff, everything like that, and then drive home or drive to where we were doing it and then going and then, you know, doing everything. So this is quite early for a, for a five o'clock game. Yeah, absolutely. This is a yeah, it's a little bit early, but I'm ready to go. People people in the chat, uh, LFG in the chat said that, you know, rants incoming. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Plenty not of gonna, those. Not going to let you guys down on that front. I have thoughts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, the new season has begun. Yeah. But before we start, I think it's important to ask everybody, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three easy steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you can still receive 150 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy when you sign up. The best part, using the code Reign of Troy, all one word, not only gets you the bonus, but helps support the podcast, like this car cast that you're listening to right now. And if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code Reign of Troy to maximize those first bets. This offer, of course, uh, only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. I know that's not California, but SC plays road games. You're going to be traveling this year, right? Mm-hmm. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. That, of course, is because DraftKings is bringing you this uh, this car cast. So, Alicia, let's just let's get into it. Mm-hmm. USC, San Jose State. The Trojans win 56-28. Uh, you watched the game at home. I was there in the press box. Tell me your thoughts, your initial thoughts. Oh, boy. Um, my initial thoughts. Here we go again. <laughs> um, I think Mystic Alicia is out in full force. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, Lord. Okay. Um, yes, the... The offense, I think we can start with the offense. Caleb Williams still looks like a Heisman winning quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I'm willing to extend a little bit more grace to the offensive line in terms of, I think they looked a little, little, either a little rusty or not a unit that is used to playing together, which I think is perfectly reasonable considering it's week one with a unit that literally is not used to playing together. So I think there's definitely room for improvement on the offensive line. Um, but what's really exciting is the the skill position players on this offense are somehow even better than was there last year. You introduce someone like Zach Branch. You are introducing someone like Dorian Singer, who was really bright in his first game for USC. Um, Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones both had their moments. It was nice to see Quentin Joyner out there as a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, USC has a million play- like. You have a situation where Brendan Rice was completely absent for the entire game and then just pops up with a really nice touchdown, you know, in, in the second half. It is ridiculous how deep USC's skill position talent is uh, for this offense. They can go any which way and still have success, and that is extremely, extremely exciting. But, yeah, it's almost overwhelming how many guys SC yeah. has. Uh, looking at the stats, there were 20 different... Um, ball carriers that's not mean 20 different people mind you that's there was eight rushers and eight receivers obviously there's some overlap there uh guys like um uh zachariah branch had a carry and a catch for instance but 12 different receivers 12 different receivers eight different uh, rushers eight different rushers i guess seven one of those is a team rush it's it's insane how how deep um usc's uh skill positions are and i think that that's when you put that all together and you score 56 points, 49 of that on offense, it sort of makes sense that this is an offense that you know is going to build upon what they did last year, going to continue to do the Lincoln Riley thing and just continue to get better and better. 
um, and just be reliably potent on offense and be an offense that you know they're going to gain 500 yards, which they did tonight, 501 yards. Uh, Caleb Williams through the air, a solid performance, 18 of 25, 278 through the air, four TDs. Didn't run much, yeah. didn't have to run Qu- much. Quiet four-touchdown performance from USC's uh, Heisman winner. Yeah, I, I, one of the one of the things that I kind of noted in my head during the game was like I, I just haven't needed to think about Caleb Williams much because he hasn't needed to make a bunch of wow moment type plays. He did make the you know the long touchdown pass uh, to to Taj Washington. The big uh, the big one over the top was was a big one, seventy six yards. Uh, sort of a ridiculous a, a fumbled snap that he picked it up and did all that stuff. In the pantheon of, like, Caleb Williams plays, not in the top 50. Well, it was his... Co- but that's because Caleb Williams has made so many of those great plays, right? Yes. Like, which, which is the irony to that, right? Like, yes. he, he makes a highlight reel play that should be anybody else's main highlight. And, like, I don't know that that one is making the sizzle reel from last year, right? Like, he's just, this was just such a just casually strong game from him. Um, and it's... It's silly that SC's in a position to get that much of a high level out of the out of a quarterback. Yes, absolutely. And and that throw, that play was another great example of how dangerous the USC offense is because even when they're off schedule or or having a broken play, you can still have someone like Taj Washington, who's technically not even a starter on the depth chart, right. pop up with that play and just and just be around to make a heads up play and Caleb Williams being able to look down the field and recognize that the safety has bit on the, on the drop snap and boom, you have suddenly a, a, your career long touchdown from 76 yards. It's, it's wild that USC can have such a muted performance from Caleb Williams relative to the Caleb Williams. And it's still a four touchdown performance from him. It's, it's, it it is really incredible. But we were never worried yeah. about the offense. I, I think there was minor worry about whether or not the offensive line could pick up where they left off last year. The jury will still be out on that for a little while. We just need to see where, mm-hmm. where they where they get to. But we were never worried about the offense. The offense came out and did exactly what I think you expect the USC offense to do. The worry was the defense. The question yes. that needed to be answered was the defense. And... Uh, so I, somebody already said in the chat, like in the defensive preview, we talked about how we weren't going to learn a lot about this team in the first six weeks of the season mm-hmm. unless it was something bad. So was it bad? I mean, are we ready? I mean, I'm I'm ready to talk about the defense. I I think there will be plenty more positive no, things bad to USC. say. No. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the defense. If we're just going to start, we're just going to get into this conversation. Yeah, go for it. To my eye, the talent level on defense did look much improved. Um, yeah. It was noteworthy yeah. seeing players like Anthony Lucas and and Bear Alexander mm-hmm. um, and Mason Cobb and those guys out there on Tackett the Curtis. field. Tackett, yeah. like the, the, the talent on that defense does look considerably better than it did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly in the front seven, the talent looks much, much better than it did last year. Which is kind of why I feel so... 
I feel way more worried about the defense than I thought I would coming out of this game because my thinking was uh, talent equals improvement. And instead what we got was more talented players being on the field for USC, but the defense as a whole making the same mistakes Mm-hmm. having the same problems and falling into the same traps. Yeah. And it came down to like, it all sort of like coalesced in my brain, like all just the, the puzzle pieces all just fit together. And it was just like, oh, okay. So you improve the talent, but you're having the same problems. Well then who does that fall to? Right. Who is the common denominator there? That's the problem. And, uh, you know, the the artist formerly known as Jabroni Jabber Brody in the chat, I think, summed it all up. I don't know how to feel. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Grinch has showed us his schemes don't work. We should believe him. Like, the sad thing is that Grinch's schemes worked once upon a time. But it's like every decision in this game felt like... A, a boneheaded decision from a defensive coordinator perspective. We don't talk a lot about play calling from a defensive perspective the way that we do about an offensive perspective. It's just so much easier to sort of right. reflect on that from an offensive perspective. But like the defensive play calling in this game was horrendous, atrocious, yeah. questionable to the point of being fireable. Like I wrote in our notes for the, for the car cast, um, the third and forever play call on defense was a fireable offense. It's third and forever. Why are you sending a blitz? Why are you getting aggressive? Why? Why well, are like? To to me, it was the combination. Like the you saw in the first the first drive and a half that they were SC was too aggressive on the blitz that they were getting caught out. Um, after, because Chevin Cordero is a—he's a good quarterback. He's gonna—he's experienced. He knows what he's doing, right? He's gonna take advantage of your mistakes. And well, if you blitz him, he's just gonna slow things down and just get out of the pocket and run. He's gonna do the thing that we've talked about Jaden Delora doing, that we've talked about Jaden Daniels doing o- over the years, right? And he was doing those things, so. SC is dialing up so many, so many blitzes on the second drive of the game. They force a third and 22 because they force two blitzes to have back-to-back six-yard losses. And in the moment, you're like, okay, this is the aggression paying off for, for Grinch, right? Because he's being aggressive. He's getting guys in the backfield. He's sending Tackett Curtis on a blitz. He's sending Mason Cobb on a blitz. He's getting those ends in there in the backfield. At the same time, if you're going to have it work for on first down and second down, sit back on third and you, 22. You earned your and, third and 22. Yes. Like, sit back. You don't need to, like, just guard the the, the first down stripe. But just stand at the first down stripe. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been one thing if it was, like, a screenplay where all the blocks sort of worked out and San Jose State sort of pulls one out of their ass in that sense. No, this was not what happened. This was a blitz where Tackett Curtis sort of blitzes from the 
from the left side to the right, and Cordero just moves on down the left side, and all the way down the sideline for 28 yards yeah. when he's got 22 yards to gain. And again, it's like the execution isn't great. I don't want to let the players off the hook necessarily because somebody's got to be able to shed a block and get there to the quarterback. Like somebody yeah. has to be able to do something to help mitigate that disaster. Even with the bad play call, it still should have been like a 15 yard gain, but not a, a, a conversion, a first down conversion. So I'm not, I'm not going to totally let the players off, but as Ilium in the chat is, is pointing out, it's like, it's like the video game mentality. It's the, sh it's the crap that I yes. do that I get into trouble yeah. on, on Madden or NCAA where I get overly aggressive and I send an all out blitz yeah. on third down. It's, it's like, like the weirdos in Mutt who, who run spinner on every drive, every, every play. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you're, it, it, you shouldn't be making... Like, that's a rookie mistake. I accept that, like, I make the rookie mistake. I fall into that trap. But when you're the defensive coordinator at USC and you are talking about winning national titles, like, you can't be making those rookie mistakes. You can't be... Uh, you, you can't be... be botching those calls and and it was like it was it was great that uh not i mean it wasn't great that usc gave up that that touchdown at the end of the right before the half um great catch by the way nash hell of a catch mm -hmm. um oh no not that was the other one um nick nash had two great catches yeah great but the 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 one that i'm talking about was the one that he was he was wide open for right he had but he had both those touchdown catches yeah uh, yeah, yeah. So the second one was oh, yeah, the, the second he, sorry, one. Sorry, he had all three. The, all three. That's true. The second one was the really, really good catch. The first one was blown coverage. And again, I'm not going to excuse Damani Jackson and Max Williams. They need to know what's going on on that play. I believe it was those two players. They need to be on top of, of, of the coverage and the player who's going out to catch that pass. But why is. With eight, with with less than ten seconds left in the football in the in the in the half, with San Jose State in field goal range, but you know you you can live you can live with giving with giving them a long field goal attempt if that's if that's what it comes to. Mm -hmm. Why in that scenario are you calling a what what I think the Pac-12 Network uh, halftime uh, show did a very good job doing did a good job showing that that was a complicated coverage call that that they sent a a, a db as uh, on a blitz and then they did sort of a rotation over and it was a whole thing why why there's let there's 15 seconds left in the half yeah damage control you got you let them get in a field goal range i get it but damage control just just you know, if they if you give up a field goal, you live with it. You can't give up a wide open touchdown because you called a coverage that clearly your players didn't understand well enough to execute properly. Like that's on the coach. That is on the coach. It's just yeah. The the thing for me is like it's one thing to give up highlight real plays or to give up um, plays where you're like you know tip your cap that was a hell of a play from Cordero or from Nick Nash or from whoever it is, right? But the plays that I think that are going to keep you up at night are the third downs, the third down scrambles, the third down. It's the little things that lead to those highlight reel plays, right? That those highlight reel plays don't happen if you don't have the breakdowns before. Uh, you don't have the breakdown up the, up the seam, um, 
you know, they're suddenly not at the 25 to take that shot downfield, right? Like, it's the little things that sort of add up. And then, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the idea of what this defense was going to be this year and whether or not that they were going to improve and that we talked about how um, we don't we didn't know how good USC's defense could be in the first six games, but we could, we could learn if they were bad, right? And for, for me, there's always the game one dilemma of, how much of this is rust? How much of this is uh, players just learning the things? And how much of this is rotation? Because there was a ton was of, a rotation. Lot of rotation. There was yeah. so much rotation. And I think it's fascinating to see how, you know, the, the I thought the pass protection tonight was not good uh, on the offensive line. But there was so much rotation that I think that collectively people are giving the benefit of the doubt to the USC's offensive line for the most part, right? Um, I, I, I think you should. Um, but why, why do you get, give them that benefit of the doubt? Because we know that USC's offensive line was good last year. Mind you, they struggled in pass protection last year too. So maybe, maybe you don't, but the point is that the offense gets the benefit of the doubt because of all the other things that they do and all the times that they pan everything out and they get it to work. The defense doesn't get that benefit of the doubt because of all the past trauma because of the Utah game and the other Utah game and the Arizona game and the Cal game and the Colorado first quarter, right? Like all of those things that sort of add up together, uh, you end up in this situation where I think nothing would have been satisfying for this defense tonight because, which I think is the unfair thing for this defense. If they were, if, if SC wins this game 56 to three, People are sitting here and saying it doesn't matter because it's just San Jose State and there's nothing they could have done in week one to prove anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and bah humbug, it means nothing because it's just San Jose State and this is what they should do. And uh, yeah, but we wouldn't have had yeah. a, we wouldn't have been sitting here talking about what right. atrocious defensive play calling yes. or but but what but to me like to your point like that's because the mistakes that SC had were the little things that should have been preventable. Yes. Like the like the the third down breakdowns. Well it's um, game and, and things like play calling where it does look like coaching, not necessarily talent. Yeah, it's game it's game one against a vastly inferior opponent. We sort of expect the 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 offense to go very vanilla. I I don't know why the defense didn't go more vanilla and ease oh oh and you make a good point too about this defense is, as I said about the offensive line, I'm willing to give them some slack because that is literally a unit that has not played together before mm -hmm. and they looked like it. And that's okay because I have faith in Lincoln Riley's offense to sort of work out the kinks there and figure things out. Yeah. This defense, to be fair to them, is a bunch of guys, is a group of guys that hasn't played a lot of football together because there are so many transfers and so many newcomers and all that kind of stuff. So... I get, I get that absolutely, um, but like you said, it's it's the history, the baggage that comes from from the Alex Grinch of it all, and it's also the. So why didn't you treat it that way though? Why didn't yeah. you treat it like you had to ease all of these guys in, do all simple con? Because like, if USC had just come out there and had a a, a defense that was just going to be very simple concepts. I don't think they get smacked around by this San Jose State. I, I do think they were slightly unfortunate to be facing a quarterback like Chevin Cordero in week one 
considering that Chevin Cordero was the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year in the preseason. Um, he can use his legs. We we saw that use him use his legs very effectively. Yes, and that he's sort of built to beat the defense that USC has. Yes, but, but at the same time, like, but that's the. the Jalen Rashada is is is, uh, is going to be built to beat the defense that USC has. Right. Uh, Shador Sanders is going to be built to beat the defense that USC has. Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Cam Rising are right. all built to do the same. So it, it's... He can be a good college quarterback and still be like the ninth ranked quarterback yes. that SC is going to face this which, season, which right? Is, like, which is why it's so concerning that... If he gashes you in the first quarter of the first game of the season, I'm not happy about it, but I accept that, you know, you got to figure it out. But then you maybe see USC adjust to it and figure out, okay, we're going to, we're going to put, you know, we're going to contain him better. We're going to put a spy on him. We're going to do something tactically to deal with the fact that the quarterback is who he is, right? There was none of that. And that's my biggest concern. Like, okay, at what point do you recognize that Shevin Cordero is Shevin Cordero and he's going to beat you the way he's going to beat you Mm -hmm. and adjust to that and uh, account for that and figure that out? Instead, it's like, we're just going to keep blitzing. We're just going to keep blitzing. We're just going to keep blitzing. It's like, well, okay, but he beats your blitz half of the time. So he's he's not a freshman quarterback that's going to work That's just going to throw, well, what did we- It's going to panic in those situations. What did we say going going in? I said one of the things that was going to be very interesting to evaluate the defense against this particular offense is that they are not turnover prone. They were one of the best offenses in the country last year in terms of not committing turnovers, in terms of protecting the football. And- that that was going to be something that USC wasn't going to be able to rely on a turnover in this game. And guess what? They right. didn't get any turnovers because, like you said, this is not a freshman quarterback who's going to panic. Dude knows what he's doing. But you you pointed out on Twitter, Ryan Abraham tweeted that the, the USC defense forced their fourth third and out of the game. And I don't know if there were any more fourth, third and out, three and outs after that. But you tweeted from the Rana Troy account that uh, basically like the drive chart is wild because it was either a third and out, a, a three and out or a, a touchdown drive. Yeah. And D- depending on w- what part of the game you watch, you'd think that the defense was great, right? Yeah. Because the, the three and outs are three plays, negative three yards, three plays for one, uh, three plays for five, three plays for five. Like those things are good in of themselves, but they're just sprinkled in between touchdown drives. Yeah, and and that's the like that's the problem because if you're doing that at like a fifty percent rate against a San Jose State offense that, let's be honest, is in the bottom half of offenses that USC will face this year. Yeah. Um, if you're doing if you're giving up like the fifty percent of the time to them, then someone like Kenny Dillingham is going to be able to catch you, uh, catch right. you off guard. It's a completely Certainly different situation. Cam it, rising will do you, will do, will give you some trouble like he did last year. Uh, Bo Nix will absolutely. And Michael Penix beyond everybody else. Sam Hartman, we saw uh, for Notre Dame today uh, playing a, a Navy team that mm-hmm. is worse than San Jose state for the record. But, but still like Sam Hartman is a is a capable quarterback who can who could tear USC's defense apart if they played the way that they did today. Right. So like that's the stuff that is very worrisome because you need to be able to adjust to who it is that you're playing and you need to be able to get that like 
I understand the aggression, but if the aggression is going at this at this level, then the aggression's not working, bud, and you need to change your your tactic. Yeah. Yeah, you got you got to find a way to slow things down, and um, I think the the thing from the San Jose State perspective here is they they scored twenty eight points by taking what the SC defense gave them, and SC will play teams, namely Washington, Oregon, Utah, Notre Dame that will not just sit back and wait to take what USC's defense will give them. They will do that and sort of try to exert their own will, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought Senator State's offensive game plan was brilliant. Just just wait back to see what you, USC does and then just react to it, right? Um, and that's why this is a problem for me, um, for USC's defense, is because so many of those things look pre- um, preventable. It's not necessarily the 28 points. It's not necessarily all these other things. It's about the eye test, right? Um, and especially when those 28 points, it, there's not a scoop and score in there. There's not a weird fluky touchdown. There's not anything. Like those, that's a solid 28 points that they scored. Like you, you can't sit here and say, yeah, but uh, this one came against the third stringers or whatever because even though SC was rotating guys and even though in the second half they did you know, sort of empty the benches, you you look at who was in goal line defense on the the those last drives. There was still Mason Cobb out there. There was still you know Kalen Bullock out there. Like those the starters were still out there at the goal line, even though they were able to sort of mix in guys in and out on defense. So yeah. uh, it's about SC seeing this, and I think in a, now, in a lot of yeah. Go ahead. No, I just uh, I, I didn't want to cut you off, but. I don't want people to take this rant or take this discussion as a the sky is falling kind of overreaction. Because um, to me, it's not. It's, it's a frustration with what happened last season and wanting right. to see things improve. Yeah. But... But also, like I said, I think there were a lot of positives to glean from, from some individual performances uh, out there. I... I I I liked some moments, for, you know, from Bear Alexander, from Anthony Lucas. Uh, I liked the way Solomon Bird bounced back from a really rough first quarter, and then he came out and then had that sack and and made that play. There there were good plays by players who looked like they were capable of making good plays. Um, I didn't think the tackling was terrible. Uh, I. I there were a few moments certainly where things deteriorated, but again, it comes down to like, I think people mistake bad tackling for dudes took a bad angle and that's why they missed the tackle. And it was where they were positioned in the first place. That was sort of part of the problem. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where like, I do think the defense can get better as this group goes along further. I do think the defense can get better as they figure out who can and can't be trusted because like we said, it felt like they emptied the benches a little bit and mm-hmm. it felt like this might be uh this might be a situation where they don't know they have a lot of guys who can play. There's a lot of ores on that depth chart and they need to sort out those ores before the crunch time of the season. Yes. And if the first six weeks of the season are about sorting out those ores and figuring out who they can depend on and who they can't depend on, then I can live with that. 
but it all has to be building towards a an understanding that when you get to the Sam Hartmans and the Cam Risings and the Bo Nixes and the Michael Penixes of the world, that you can, that the guys that you have sort of streamlined down into, these are our trusted players who can make plays for us, that mm-hmm. they're going to be put in position to make those plays in the first place, which is why I focus so much on the defensive play calling and the over-aggression and all of this kind of stuff, because it, it felt like you didn't. It didn't matter who you would have put on the field for those situations. You you would have potentially gotten into trouble. So, like, there's there's a push and pull there from my perspective. Where right, it's not all doom and gloom. USC won eleven and went eleven and one last year with a defense that was less talented than this one. So I still think USC is going to win a lot of games. I think mm-hmm. the offense is going to keep them in most games uh, as well. But. The reality of Lincoln Riley betting on Alex Grinch and the doubts about Alex Grinch have to cloud the way that you view this this game. Yeah, I I, I think the 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 problem is the deep the, the problem for the defense where I I sort of feel bad for the defense because I don't know how they change this um, is that they there's no way for them to ever get the benefit of the doubts until they hold somebody that you know that uh that you hold in regard to 17 points or whatever right and so i think that there absolutely is a world in which you know the defense improves i think once you figure out the the rotation that you want and all those things that you said um because those are the things that are in play on the offensive line for instance and on offense especially but the offense is still scoring touchdowns while figuring out these things. Yeah. And the defense is sh- sort of struggle bussing through the figure out period. Um, and hey, so- as as our as our friend Saman texted us, <laughs> USC will go undefeated if they co- if they keep all every if they keep all every opponent to 28 points per game. And I mean, it's like that is true. Like you said, like the, I agree with you that we won't, the defense won't get any benefit of the doubt until they get to the Notre Dame game. And like, if you right. hold Notre Dame to 28 points, I'm, I'm extremely happy. It, if you hold Utah and Oregon and Washington to 28 points, we're having a party, but that's sort of beside yeah. the point because but, but, this goes back to everything that we've already said, which uh, we're going to move on to offense in a minute here, but everything that we've already said, which is about like so much of this comes to sort of like, I think our criticism is about, about the defense is about the decisions. It's not necessarily about, about the players. Cause even though there was the rotation, uh, it's not like it would have been one thing, you know, yes, I think the defense did get much better. Um, when Eric Gentry was in there on, on defense, mm-hmm. He came in and then he immediately forced three three and outs in a row, right? Um, in in that second quarter is and that, really allowed SC to sort of turn around that way. Is that not the most Eric Gentry thing? A little the, bit. The Eric yeah. Gentry of it all is really funny because it. I swear, I swear, it felt like a USC with Eric Gentry versus without Eric Gentry in the middle of last season was a very clear black and white, like delineation of this is sort of mm-hmm. good, bad. Then he came back and it was still all bad. And 
it might have been i mean he was playing on a, on a bum foot apparently and all this kind of stuff so you know may, maybe it really is a eric gentry is the answer to all these problems but i also think it's probably but, not but it wasn't because it's not like those things just stop for the rest of the game i think that yeah. those things that would stop for the rest of the game and then this would have been a thing of like oh well you know in hindsight it looks like sc made some personnel decisions they made adjustments and you know what San Jose state had one great drive in the second half Sorry, in the, in, the, in the beginning of the second quarter, but after that, everything was shut down and SC wins this game 56-7. to seven. If it was that, this would be a completely different thing. That's, but that's not what happened, right? Because the, the breakdowns happened with multiple different versions of the personnel in there. Which, yeah, which, which, is which, why is, I, which is why I think it's fair to yeah. put the microscope on the, on the coaching staff because, yeah. again, you upgraded your talent. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Well, there's a lot of stuff to get to on the offensive side of the ball, including probably the what I am pretty sure is like the greatest Trojan debut I've ever seen in my life. That we're gonna we, we discuss talk here about on it. offense. Uh, so uh, let's take a uh, quick break and uh, and get to that stuff. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. USC, of course, puts 56 points down on offense. But let's talk about Zachariah Branch. Um, seriously, I I implore anybody to look this up and look into who had a better freshman debut than Zachariah Branch. Um, have, have fun looking it up. Okay, um... I'm just going to start naming freshman debuts that I can remember as were exciting. Okay. While putting the caveat. 
unless they come to me immediately, like they they weren't more impressive. Um, Ronald Jones had an an exciting freshman debut. Yes, he had not, like a forty four yard touchdown run against Arkansas State. Yeah. It did not sniff the excitement level of Zach Branch <laughs> in this game. Zach Branch looked like the the second coming of a Dory Jackson on on kickoffs. Uh, so uh, I I. But Adoree didn't have... I don't remember Adoree's freshman debut being... I, I don't remember it being... like I, I don't I don't think it was a huge outing for him. But it was also different context because he's a corner. He did score a touchdown, if I remember right. He did? Um, I'm pulling it up. Yeah, he did. Uh, okay, so I, the 2014 week one game against Fresno State, Sark's new offense, new high-flying spread offense... He's in from Washington, and there's all these freshmen on that 2014 class. You got this guy named um, John Smith from... Um, John Juju Smith. John Juju Smith at that time. John Juju Smith. Um, he had one one carry for a yard, and then he had four catches for 123 yards, that's no pretty, touchdowns. Pretty dang good. I think that's pretty good for a freshman debut. Yeah. It's not what Zachariah Branch did tonight. Uh, let's talk about Dory Jackson that game. Three catches, 36 yards, including an 18-yard touchdown. Pretty good. Not what Zachariah Branch did tonight. I, I saw I saw someone on online earlier talk about uh, Reggie Bush. Um, uh, pull up the reference of Reggie Bush's first game at, at Auburn. I don't think he... I... I, I hold on. Let's see. I, I don't think there was anything of no. Reggie Bush's big um, breakout was game two against Hawaii. He had a big run, a big cutback run. So we're talking about game one, and it's like it's basically Zachariah Branch. It's Zachariah Branch. I'm trying uh, to think. Uh, four, four four catches, fifty eight yards for Branch. One rush for twelve yards, uh, and then you have to look at all of the other all purpose stuff. 232 total all-purpose yards, including a 96-yard kick return for a touchdown. He had two incredible punt returns, um, one of them 35 yards. There was another one, uh, two other ones after that. The one that, right that, after the kickoff return, I, I swear thought he went, I thought he was going I, I thought he was, was going again. It. Yeah. It, but that's what we talked about on, on Discord. There was a lot of talk about that, about... The thing about Branch is that he's got that heart in throat, like that hold your breath every moment that he's yeah. out. He, it, 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 that's why I said it reminds me of Adora Jackson. It reminds me of Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. where he just gets to another gear. He can make the cut and get to another gear in the smoothest, most effortless kind of way. That yes, um, I was listening to Pete Arbogast call of the kickoff return, which, by the way, the way he slow played that kickoff return was it's just... Like a, like a grizzled vet. Absolutely beautiful to let the blocking develop. And then he hits another gear, but then he sort of gets boxed in by a bunch of defenders. And Arbogast's call is like, you know, oh, he's made it across midfield, and, and you know, he's coming up near the 40 and the 30, and then he makes that cut back inside and that's when you hear Aubrey goes oh he's made cut back inside and he's gone like he wasn't it was it was a kickoff return touchdown and like even Arbo wasn't in full like it's a touchdown mode until Mm -hmm. he was at the 20 yard line like that's how 
how many moves he had to make in order to make that play actually be completed at the end. It was it was wild. It was just everything. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was incredible. It was a it was a hell of a moment uh, for Zachariah Branch for everything. We got we got comments in 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 on YouTube. Stephen Carr in 2017 against Western Michigan. Two That's touchdowns. a good shout. He had two two long touchdown runs in that game. Uh, There's a shout about Matt Barkley from from Big T 37. But yeah, I will say Matt about Stephen Carr, uh, debut against San Jose State in 2009 was it was good, but like. Again, you think of you think of him the following week against Ohio State more than the San Jose State game. Yeah, and the thing about Stephen Carr is, even though that was an impressive performance, and I was extremely excited about it. Yeah, I don't think I ever had with Stephen Carr the my God, that guy is is that fast and that agile oh and that my smooth. God. And- yeah, you mean, you mean this? Yes. My God, Ben Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> oh, by Eddie Zaplicky, he it did he did good. Oh, right? really? No, it, it worked for you. Was it like was it like uh, Ben Griffiths level for you? I mean, no one will ever reach <laughs> Ben Griffiths level. Um, Elliot uh, uh, in the chat said Kareem Kelly. Uh, you look back at '99, uh, the sixty-two to seven route over uh, Hawaii and. Um, Cream Kelly, five catches, 104 yards uh, in his debut there. Um, I don't see, do they have special teams? What did Cream Kelly? One punt return for negative four yards. So, yeah, like he had a s- solid game. I, I don't, absolutely, but doesn't compare to what, what, what Zach Branch was able to put together. And I think that, you know the the touchdown run that Zach Branch had, or the touchdown catch that Zach Branch had was was great when he just hit that little juke and just you know waltzes into the end zone. And then it's the it's the craftsmanship of the returns that just he looked like someone who has been returning year punts for years, not like a true freshman. Which is I think saying something when you look at all the times that we've talked about in the last couple of years where. What has been the problem with SC special teams? The decisions that people make on in the return game and the um, the questionable like uh, backtracks and all these things and yeah, Zach Branch is gonna like you know gonna try to wheel around and do those things and uh, and and cut back just like Adore and Reggie Bush used to do. But if you can pay that off you are going to look like a genius um and if you're not going to have those you know mistakes like you know the like mario williams in the uh in in the cotton bowl or any of the other things that we saw from the last few years like this is a huge benefit for sc to take a step forward to add this as a dangerous element to um the potency of what this offense in the full level can can give you when you include the the special teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially when you are entering a, a a world in college football where they're trying to reduce the length of games by reducing the number of plays in games, 
um, being able to have special teams uh, scores the yeah. way that it looks like Zach Branch can give you uh, is is going to enhance your scoring power so much more. It's going to be so mm-hmm. much more important to have those uh, number one uh, one play scores, but also to set up your offense in as easy a, a, a road as possible that given short fields and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's going to be even more important because USC is going to need to find ways to create either more possessions or more sort of scoring opportunities when theoretically they're going to, you know, we're, we're seeing play totals come down. Yeah. A hundred percent. And one of those things where it's just another potent guy that SC has in the arsenal. Let's talk about the sort of flip side of the offense. Um, it's Zach branch, the, the eye opening guy, but, um, Someone we didn't expect to not have really a role here is Relique Brown. Well, didn't... Zach Branch is what Relique Brown was supposed to be. So Right? Like that that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um Relique got in at the very end of the game. Um got had his first touch, but I it was it was sort of fascinating to me that like I think we went into this season thinking that you know, he was going to be one of the, the key playmakers. The depth chart comes out on, on Thursday or Wednesday night and Relique Brown is fourth string, which seems eye-opening. And then you watch this game and it's like he was a complete afterthought until the fourth quarter. Well, and, and even on the, on the the Rod After Dark show that we did for the, the YouTube subscribers, um, yeah, we talked about how, like, depth charts don't necessarily mean a lot if, if you have a player who is sort of going to be more involved in, in packages. Right. Uh, like, for instance, Zach Branch was not a starter on that depth chart, but he was the first player that they went to in this game with a, mm-hmm. a play that was designed to go to him. Um, so it's not really necessarily where on the depth chart you sit. Taj Washington is another great example of a guy who isn't always in the starter depth chart role, uh, but still gets a lot of, of targets and catches because right. of the way that he's um, made available and a way that the way that he's used. So um, with uh, with Relic, I sort of went in saying, well, it could just be that he's gonna we're gonna see him in packages and so it, it doesn't really matter if he's not the you know not in the top three slot receiver. Uh, depth chart because mm-hmm. is he really a slot receiver? He's a he's a gadget guy. The fact that he didn't get used in even gadget situations, the fact that the, uh, you know every gadget play or every sort of unique play that USC was doing from those option uh, plays to uh, to to every which way was Zach Branch doing it? Like that tells us a lot, right? That tells us where yeah. the pecking order is. That tells us that this is Zach Branch's role. And if Zach Branch wasn't there, maybe Relic would 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 be in a different situation. But with Zach Branch there, is anybody really going to argue where those touches are going to go? It, it just it sort of sucks for Relic, but this is the reality. And this is also another another reason why you should always be wary about the quotes and the commentary and stuff like that that comes out of of training camps or or anything like that because when the actual plays when the actual games come around mm-hmm. 
coaches will tell you what they think of players by whether or not they put them on the field in yeah. way more than when they're in a scrum and the media is asking them, well, how are you going to use relief this year? What will tell us about how you feel about relief? They're always going to sugarcoat it and say, Oh, you know, he's working really well. And you know, he's, he's, he's really coming along and we we're really proud of the steps he's made and all of that kind of stuff. Like see Corey Foreman this, <laughs> this August. Right. Uh, Another no, guy who didn't get in until the end. Yeah. Like that, that tells us a lot more than any words that were spoken about the players and yeah. where they actually stand in the pecking, pecking order. Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about you know the the depth chart maybe doesn't mean much when um, compared to what we're going to see in our own eyes, and I think it does matter. And it doesn't matter at the same time, depending on the position, right? Because at receiver, somebody's got to be third, fourth string, right? There's just too many guys, mm-hmm. too many guys. Somebody's going to be third, fourth string, and the thing I liked about this this offense is that like everybody played. Everybody was out there. Like from the very first drive, you saw, um, you saw Jacoby Lane and Makai Lemon and Deuce Robinson and Kyron Hudson, Quentin Joiner. Like everybody was out there from the very beginning. Um, on defense, the very first drive, like uh, Elijah Hughes was out there on the defensive line. Yeah. someone that I, I don't think that we expected to see um, get as much run as he did. So. I think there was a lot of rotation, you know, college football famously doesn't have preseason, right? So like you're going to get those sort of elements where you get a lot of movement moving around here, but it is just, it's so refreshing when, you know, on offense, they're able to still work out things and still gain yards and really sort of prove that like, maybe this is weird to say, I, I don't think it matters who the receiver is at any given time. I think this offense is going to pick up yards and Zach Branch looked like it. Like if he would have been, if he would have had a number three jersey, and you told me that that was Jordan Addison, I would have said okay, sure. If you would have, if you would have told me that that was Mario Williams, I would have been like yeah, because these guys just sort of all look interchangeable at this point. Like there is not, this isn't the receiving core of, you know, our childhood, right? Where there was a very clear packing order. Mm-hmm. It's it's Mike Williams and it's Kerry Colbert and it's Kareem Kelly and then there might be a, a a gap to whoever else right like this this isn't sort of the same way yeah and Caleb Williams doesn't have to have a favorite target and there's liberation in that because mm-hmm. you can rely on on a lot of these guys to to I mean. I don't think it's it's saying I don't think it's a stretch to say that if you certainly if you factor Zach Branch in you have Branch Singer uh, Taj Washington Mario Mm -hmm. Williams Brendan Rice Kyron Hudson and I'll throw in like Lake McCree as an as an additional uh, guys who starters or not starters could be lead receivers for USC on any on any given day. And on this day it was Zach Branch, but it was Zach Branch with four catches for 58 yards. Mm-hmm. We used to live in a world where the lead receiver for USC would be nine, 10 catches for 120 yards. Right. Like the way that At the Juju same time, and Marquise and 
Can, can you imagine if Lane Kiffin had a Zach Branch? Oh my, yeah, yeah. The dude would have 300 touches. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is like he would be force fed and then we'd be really mad that they were force feeding him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even, and like Mari Fig in the chat asks, where was Mario Williams not fully utilized so far? Yeah, Mario Williams, two catches, 24, 26 yards uh, on four targets. You didn't need Mario Williams to be featured in this game. Yeah. And I think we will see Mario Williams have bigger games than this and and we'll see the interchangeability of a lot of these guys, but it says a lot when Mario Williams and Brendan Rice don't have big games and that's then your well, offense still was perfectly I productive. I, I think Mario Williams I I saw a lot on the field. Brendan Rice I really did not see until that he so, had one play. Yeah, until he's got the I, touchdown, the twelve-yard touchdown. We catch. got into the second half, and I was going to ask the chat on Discord, like, is Brendan Rice even playing? Like, is he in? Yeah. Then did, did we verify that Brendan Rice is in uniform today? I, I had the moment of like I, I looked at the at the roster. I forgot who number two was for a second, yeah. and then I'm like, oh yeah, it's Brendan Rice. Yeah. yeah. Um. Taj Washington, the same thing. Taj Washington, and, and th- this is the to me the funniest thing about Taj Washington is you can you can take Taj Washington and you can take him out of your starting lineup. You can you can only play him for a couple of downs, whatever you want to do. He's gonna lead the team in receiving yards. <laughs> damn it, that's just what I, he's gonna do. I love Taj. I've decided this game. This game made me decide that. Um, Taj Washington and like someone like Darwin Barlow are I, they're not my guy because as somebody pointed out in our last uh, last video like they can't be my guy if it doesn't rhyme so maybe they're like are, are they my magic men or, or whatever it is uh, what's that face you're making I'm trying to think like nothing rhymes with Taj yeah Taj the the yeah nothing the, no. Oh, ooh, no, literally nothing. Is this like an orange situation? Maybe. Um, no, but like Taj Washington and Darwin Barlow are players that when they're in the game, I just feel very confident it, for for not necessarily because they're the best player on the team. Like, I don't think either of them are the best at their position. I'm not delusional. But like, I just, I just There's think no they, reason to say they aren't, though. They just pop up and just do the job, and they're fine. Like, yeah. Taj Washington is more than fine. Taj Washington is the most underrated player in the Pac-12, I will continue to argue. He, Taj Washington would be starting for most teams in the Pac-12. All like, Taj Washington like does is catch passes teams. and get yards and yeah. be available and and all of those things. Like Taj Washington is legitimately... It's it's wild, the the, the, the way that Taj Washington sort of exists in the, in the universe. Um but uh, but that's what's that's what's fun about it is that you've got to have every team has those guys who are not the star player who are never going to be the star player who are never going to be the the first person that the broadcast talks about when they talk about like who you know USC's offense like Taj Washington is rarely going to be the guy that they feature in those but it Taj is- Washington's the one that like if we got called to do a Stanford podcast next week and they asked us like who do we need to look out for on offense like I would highlight Taj Washington as someone who's like he's gonna hurt you by the way this is this is not a great comparison but hear me out 
Is Taj Washington the Stanley Havili of this uh, this offense? In the sense that, bit, yeah. like, he's just so reliable. He's a safety blanket. You know exactly what you're getting, but what you're getting is sometimes absolutely what you need, even if he's not the glitzy, like, he's he, not the Zachariah Branch. He's the Red Ellison of the wide receivers? Yeah, sure. And and obviously he's not Stanley Havili. Different people, but yeah. uh, the, the uh, only person that I think I've, that comes that's probably the best comparison is is Darius Rogers, someone who is like, uh, yeah, I think I called Darius He's Rogers years ago Darius the, Rogers, the, but... the patron saint of third downs, yes, and that's kind of like what Taj Washington is, yeah, yeah, you know? well, yeah, 100%. which in this game picks up a third down in the very next play, 76 yards. Yeah. On, on the broken little flea flicker. Lamont in thing. the chat says uh, he's a little bit like Steve Smith in, in that yes. you know, he's there when you need him the most. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that reliability is. Steve Smith's more productive, mm-hmm. but also in a time where, as good as those wide receiver cores were, Steve Smith was an All American. I don't think Tosh Washington's going to be an All American, but no. I also don't think that any of these guys are going to be an All American because no. they're not going to have that production. There's not going to be a world in which. They do get all the production. If Taj Washington was the only guy on this team, he would be an All-American because well, he'd have 130 catches. Jordan Addison is a really good example of that last year. Where, yeah. You know, Jordan Addison is is getting rave reviews from the Vikings. All over, Like, they are extremely excited about Jordan Addison. When he's not um, speeding, yeah. <laughs> when he's not speeding, yeah. Uh, but, like, it just sort of reminds you that, that the talent that USC had with him and he, within the confines of this offense, like... It's hard to feature when your offense is so balanced the way that the way that this is. Um, we are getting we are getting late, so I, I did want to ask what you thought of the of the running backs because I have some thoughts on um, on the running back rotation yeah. and and what we saw from those guys. Yeah, let's get into the run the running game. Um, SC runs thirty four times, one hundred and sixty yards, three touchdowns. Um, those numbers kind of deceiving, of course. Uh, it includes a Miller Moss keeper for a touchdown. Um, Miller Moss with the first rushing touchdown of the season for a USC quarterback. Uh, not what anyone had would, no. have, would have guessed, <laughs> no. Um, Caleb didn't really do much on the ground. Um, he sort of picked his spots. He did have I a nine-yard Jose- scramble, but like I he, he didn't need to. San Jose State did a good job of keeping Caleb Williams contained. Yes. <laughs> maybe USC should look at that and see why that was and yeah. maybe apply it themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. Um, but when we talk about the rotation, uh, Austin Jones, I thought, looked good. He looked exactly where he was, um, like, last year at his peak, which was what the Fresno state game, the UCLA game, the Notre Dame game, those mm-hmm. three games are the, that that's peak Austin Jones. And if that's what you get, you have a hell of a starting running back. And that's more than good enough in this offense. I Marsh- thought his John Jones's work at the goal line, I, I think is something that we probably don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a, a nose for the end zone. He, yeah. he seems to, to um, have the vision required in those tight spaces uh, that I, I I think we really should appreciate a little bit more because USC has had in the past issues with scoring at the goal line and they, those issues are yeah. no longer present. And I'm not saying it's totally on Austin Jones. It's obviously a better scheme and everything like that, but he gets the job done and I think you should get credit for that. Yeah, and then there's Marshawn Lloyd. Um, we're in the number zero He's, he just looks like a big back. He's not a big back, but 
he, he looks like one who is agile at the same time. Like I love this, his footwork, his ability to bounce it outside. Um, you know, Austin Jones had a nice little 37 yard run, but Marshawn Lloyd had like moves that were just as silky when he would get to the outside. He led SC in carries nine carries, 42 yards long of 16. I, I thought he was just reliably sound. Good. Um, I feel like Marshawn Lloyd looks like the kind of running back that gets better as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. He, the strength that he showed in this game was really impressive. It takes a lot to bring him down. He doesn't yeah. go down on first contact. Um, he's able to bounce off. Runs he, through he, trash. He has very, yeah, runs through trash. Uh, he's very good balance, um, being able to keep his feet. And I, I think what I'm most excited about from that perspective is I think that USC can rely on Austin Jones as the primary back. Mm-hmm. But if you told me that USC needs to see out a game in the second half, I would not be opposed at all to handing the ball off to Marshawn Lloyd 10 times in a row. And I'm quite confident that he would just march USC down the field at a certain point. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of vibes I was getting from from Marshawn Lloyd, where it's like every carry he improves because he's just getting more and more. He he gets that sort of momentum physically uh, going. So I thought that was a very promising debut from from Marshawn Lloyd, and I think something that USC can keep in mind in, in the future of when mm-hmm. they need a, a back to like close out a game. I feel like it's he's your guy. Do you, do you have a comp for him? I, I, I don't know that I do. Uh, Ryan I, in the chat said he looks like Marshawn Lynch. He's not as big as Marshawn Lynch, I think Lynch, it's easy though. to say that because of his name, too. Yeah. He's he's not as big. Um, I I wanted to... I, part of me wants to say Silas Red. I can see that, yeah. But I, 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 I don't know. I he's as big as Silas, Silas Red, though, was. But Silas Red was not a big guy. He just played big. He played big? Okay, so... The, so and I think that that's, yeah. that's where I kind of, like... Sort of like that, but like a more slippery, um, uh, agile Silas Red, maybe. I don't know. Um, Quentin Joyner looked really good. Um, he looks like he's going to be the one that that takes maybe the no, 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 yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he, he might be that guy. Um, but when it works, it it sure looks good. Five carries, thirty four yards. He had a long of thirteen. Uh, one of his runs, it looked like he was dead in the backfield and just spun around and found a way to pick up some yards. I, I I thought he looked good for a freshman debut. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, and I don't know if maybe there's a, a reason for this. Uh, I was surprised that we saw Quentin Joyner and not Amarion Peterson as well. Uh, Peterson wasn't on the depth chart, so I'm guessing it's an injury so, thing. Yeah, so he might just might not be available. But yeah, uh, yeah it's very... I, I loved that he was in there. Um, sort of sucks for Darwin Barlow, who I genuinely like and think could do a job for USC. But uh, Joyner looks like he has a little bit more of that, um, you know, some more oomph. And I, and I, I get why they they are trying to incorporate him in the offense early here. And it, it really goes to show that USC can rely on a little bit of depth there at running back. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I was pleased with the running backs. I, I I would agree with somebody in the chat who was saying, like, it would be nice if they relied on the run a little bit more. I feel like... I thought they did, though. I I, I, I thought they did. There I, were, it, was, it was one of those things, though, where they did in spurts. And right. it's, I, I think that 
it's hard to argue this when you have Caleb Williams and all of the receivers that we just waxed poetic about for half an hour. But if USC wanted to just be a ground and pound run team, I feel like they could they could do that and do it very successfully. Uh, and especially in a game where your pass pro is maybe a little bit suspect. Mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of just saying, fine, screw it. We're just going to run the ball down your throats. And this offensive line clearly enjoys the running, the run blocking. All yeah, of that. 100%. Um, before we get to the mailbag, um, if you're joining us live on YouTube, be sure to pop in any questions in the chat and we'll make sure that we tag those and, and run through uh, answering questions here at the end. But before you do that, I, w- I want to talk about the new timing rules. Which we got a question about, by the way. I think they suck. <laughs> like I knew, I knew that I was going to hate uh, the um, th- that I was going to hate them with the idea that they were going to take away plays, and I think that it was evident tonight that um, SC only ran what was it sixty nine plays? Nice, um, nice. In in this game, I I know that part of that was there was a three and out at one point, and then there was the. Uh, punt return. I mean, sorry, the kickoff return for a touchdown that took away a drive. But 69 plays is not what you want. You want your team to have at least 80, I think, um, or in the 70s. Um, and then on well, on last, top of that, last like, year USC had 58 plays against Rice, but I think that there were just three pick sixes. <laughs> there were three pick sixes. That's that, true. That, 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 like that changes things. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the, the, what. The the way I look at it, it's like they they stopped the the timing thing so it doesn't stop on first downs until like the last two minutes or whatever. And what it did was it took away plays, but there was also this how many times did the game stop for like extra commercials? I thought it was horrendous. Like they were doing this the the thing that I can't stand about the NFL, which is Touchdown, commercial break, kickoff, commercial break, Mm -hmm. back to the... Like, I hate that. I can't stand it. And to me, like, it looked like the timing rules in the most cynical way possible looked like just not a way to shorten time, but a way to get in more ads. Like, it, it sucked. I thought it was a terrible experience. I thought the game experience at the Coliseum tonight in a lot of ways was not great. Um, The... I. I know in, in the past I have rubbed people the wrong way when I said that DJ Malski was not was not someone <laughs> who bothered me. But I, you know, tonight was the first time I'd been to the Coliseum after not going last year. They can turn the volume down. It was during like, the review when they were doing the um, the endless review on the onside on the onside kick. Just, it was it was louder than the broadcast team. Like it was, oh, wow! Every, whoa! Every three seconds, I was like doing the Kramer, like, <laughs> whoa! Like all of a sudden, you just oh, another thing that just music just completely blaring. Like I am fine with having a DJ if that's where we are in life, where the students need that, and it's not for me, but it's for other people. Fine, but I think that it was just the balance of DJ to band was way too much DJ. And I thought that that was not a great experience. And then the volume was just like so insanely loud. I feel like my dad complaining about the volume and wanting to turn the volume down. 
So well, it wasn't something that I had to deal with, uh, except for that moment where the the endless um thing but i i agree with what angelo in the chat says the time stopping thing is a solution to a non-existent problem yes like just yes i 100 percent. i understand that they want to bring the time of games down baseball did it and everyone loved it um but baseball was solving a legitimate baseball problem. legitimately had a downtime problem yeah. that I don't think football I've ever felt. And, I, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not your norm. I'm the sicko football fan who like I love a four hour game where there's actual the football is actually being played. And I think my frustration about this game was that like with all of the commercials, with all of the ref, the the stoppages for penalties and for um, the review and all this, like it just. Yeah, that was the that was the issue. I I wasn't watching the Notre Dame game closely enough to get a sense of if the timing sort of thing worked better in that one. Yeah. But that game was 2 hours and 50 minutes, which is I think exactly what they want. But USC's game, this game was still but 3 like, hours and 26 minutes and it like they're not making the game go quicker though. No, exactly. It still it still was a 4-hour game. I Yeah, they're they're not shortening the little bits. They're just making you wait yeah. around. They're not for defragging stoppages. the game to, yeah. <laughs> to make it take up less space. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if that's what it was, then fine. Yeah, I'm for it. But like, instead, they decided to just have less football, and like, yeah. that's a sucky answer. And that's one of the things I don't like about the NFL. Is I feel like NFL games go by too quick. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, your your team is down ten in the fourth quarter. It's like you actually have no time. You have no time because. You have no time. Like I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that that games go by too quick. I, I like the pace of college football games. So maybe I'm weird. Maybe we're the sickos, like you said. So all right, uh, let's get into the mailbag. You've got mail. All right, Cameron says, uh, "What can I be optimistic about with this defense? I think the defense has gotten, uh, it's not gotten better or worse, but stock neutral." Big shout out to the Family Few Pod. Um, uh, Stuck neutral, of course. One of the great things that will force us to say, sorry, Keely. Sorry, Keely. We haven't been doing it. We screwed up. We screwed up, yeah. Sorry, uh, Cameron Keely. says, uh, we're, we're not making it to the playoff with this defense. And Alex Grinch certainly looks that way right now. Like, they're, like th- this season is about proving that you've been better on defense to overcome the things that stopped you from becoming a playoff team last year. Mm-hmm. SC hasn't proven that. They're going to have to prove that down the line. Luckily for Alex Grinch and luckily for this defense, this is one of 12 games. Yeah, and it's the first It's yeah. the first of 12 games. Um, as we said earlier, I do, I do seriously feel that there is better talent on this defense. So in that sense, to say that the defense has not... Um, improved slightly it might be an overstatement at this point i think we can maybe revisit that question in a couple weeks uh, mm-hmm. you know in a few weeks um but it's difficult when it's the same it's the same problems at the same time usc was a caleb williams hamstring away from making it to the playoff last year with a worse defense considerably yeah, uh, in I mean, terms of in terms of talent level, so it's like it, we won't know until we see. Because I guess the question is this: 
how do you how do you magnify the difficulties of of a defense like so San Jose State if we're going to rank them as like a five on the scale of offenses that USC is going to face and you give up 28 points to them to them then do you sort of when you look at the the difficulty of facing like a, a Utah or Washington or an Oregon and those are going to be like a nine or a ten on the scale of offenses that USC is going to face so they're four they're four points ahead of four or five points ahead of where San Jose State was so do you add on like they're going the other team's going to score like four or five more touchdowns than San Jose State did I don't think it works like like I don't think it works yeah. that way no um so the degree to which better offenses will exploit this defense is still an unknown because it could be that this defense is just everyone they face is going to be a 50-50 proposition the way it was today. Like they're either going to get the three and out or they're going to give up the touchdown. And that's going to be something that we, we don't, we don't know what that looks like against a good, uh, against an elite offense until we see it. And the one thing we know is that USC has an elite offense themselves and uh, the defenses that USC has on the schedule are not, um, I think there are a lot of question marks about most of those defenses as well. So it's all still up in the air. I don't think it's time to write anything off or write off the playoff or anything like that. I think it just, there's just a lot more to, to find out. Can I say that the one funny thing that is funny about this is just about fandom in general, not this is not a necessarily a critique on SC fans. This is just fandom in general, right? A week ago, I think the, the right before the season, that's when people are the most optimistic. That's the that's the point where people are like. 10 and 2? You pessimist? Yeah. Like, what is wrong? You pessimist 10 and 2? Bill Plaschke like, wrote to uh, how 12 can, and 0. How can you possibly say that this team goes 12 and 0, right? Yeah. And then one drive into the game. Oh, my God. We're going to be lucky to win nine games, maybe mm-hmm. eight. And it's like, it's just yeah. hilarious to me that those things, like, there's yeah. no way we're going to make the playoffs with this defense and all this stuff. And it's like, we were just talking a week ago. Uh, uh, like, like everyone was talking about the playoff a, a week ago. Like, well, but we already you knew that Grinch was coming back, right? Like, but this is the stuff and is the stuff. Fanatics were all irrational people, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, let's go to a question from Frightening Truth that says, "Okay, I'm not a USC fan, but after watching that, you guys got issues on D and O line. Can you fix that? Like, do you have the talent or skill to do so?" Talk about the offensive line first because pass protection was not here tonight. I Killer Williams, um, how many times was he sacked? Once, twice? Was it once? Uh let's see. Sacks, sack, sack, sack. I don't know why. why um I'm seeing, seeing two. Two for two sacks. Yards. Yes, two sacks. Um I I, I, he was pressured more than that. He had to scramble. Um, his scrambling was basically him running to the sideline and gaining a yard or two or losing a yard, t- yard or two. Um, the the pass pro was not there, um, and that was one of the big critiques last year. So does SC have the talent or skill to improve that? Um, you could say that maybe not. If, if, the, um, if the same mistakes they made last year are the ones that they're making this year, on the flip side, the offensive line had so many different combinations and permutations 
of dudes in that five that I don't know that we saw what the starting five is going to be a month from now. And so I have a hard time truly judging this offensive line until you see that group. They're going to have to whittle down to the five and whatever the five is and whatever configuration that five is, I think that's when you can truly start to judge that offensive line. SC has had two good years of offensive line play, um, especially in run blocking, that I think gives you the benefit of the doubt to give them that leeway. Um, now on defense, I, I what did you think of the de- the defensive line play as a whole in this game? Because I feel like the the what we've talked about about the breakdowns on defense have really been like linebacker because of the 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 linebackers sort of being out of position um, on blitzes and stuff like that. We haven't really talked about the D line itself. Yeah, it, it, I think it's hard to evaluate because the I liked the pressure that they were getting, but in this in the way that Alex Grinch is calling this defense, the fact that they only had one sack is is probably an indictment on the front. If you're not getting the pressure, then you need to keep the contain, and they were losing the contain pretty much every time. So they're sort of falling into the trap of being over-aggressive, and if you're not actually getting to the quarterback on, on those plays, then what was even the point of that? Um... There were a couple moments in in run defense that I thought exposed some some issues, but it, it wasn't. I, I I didn't feel like USC was getting gashed on the ground. Um, I think there was like that one run that was not not great to give up, but uh, it was really the quarterback scrambling and and creating plays and uh, and and getting away. And I guess where I'm having a hard time evaluating is how responsible should I hold those defensive linemen for that? Yeah. I Looking at the numbers, Kyrie Robinson was their, their main danger man um, in the running game. Nine carries, 28 yards, averaged 3.1 yards per carry. But he had a long of 20. But he had a long of 20. Uh, okay, so then he had eight yards for eight carries on the other ones. Yeah. That... That seems fine to me. Yeah. Um, the problem becomes um, Quali Conley. By the way, guy's name Quali. Quali. The, the dude needs to be racing, <laughs> man. He needs to be racing. Um, six carries, a hundred, uh, a buck oh eight with a long of fifty-seven. Even if you take out the fifty-seven yarder, then he has five for fifty-one yards. Right? Like that. That's a problem. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's the the run run defense in this game nor the pass defense. Neither one of those things overly bothered me in totality. What bothered me was third downs. Yes. Um, and, and maybe that's me and just having too much of a laissez-faire look at what week zero is, but like it was, it was the third downs to me more so than the, uh, which than get, the individual which things. Which gets here. back to what we were talking about earlier is that it was like, it was the third down calls that were right, yeah. really questionable because Which, they were getting the they were doing the work on first and second down more often, but it felt like third down was just a wreck half of the time. 
Yeah, and this is why I thought it was I thought it was a little interesting that listening to the the wrap up show as I was driving home and they interviewed Lincoln Riley and he talked about how he really liked third downs on offense and defense. And like maybe he's just talking. Well you can say maybe that because talking. you because they got the third down like Yeah, like San Jose State was five of thirteen for on third down, which by the numbers is fine. Five, but five like, of thirteen, and Essie got better on third downs as the game went on. But along. like the five but, that you gave up were horrendously right. bad third downs to give up. Also, you look at the average distance to go; it was ten point three for San Jose State, and it was five point eight for SC. So, like, yeah. I think there were, that was a little bit different. Um, San Jose State started by getting three of their first four, right? Like. The, and they scored a touchdown on one of those. It like, was the context of them that's the problem. Yeah, it's it's the context of it rather than, yeah. than the whole total number there. Yeah. Uh, but for, it goes for, a back, long, for a long part of the game, though, they were well over 500 or 50%. It goes back to that sort of feast or famine nature of this defense. And if you want a glass half full take, which, you know, some people would, would like. It's not full or empty. It's just half a glass. I don't know what's, <laughs> what's wrong with people. Uh, the, the if if you want sort of to to lean on something, if the defensive philosophy is just going to be so to be so aggressive that you leave yourself open to people taking advantage, but um, you're going to create uh, situations where you're getting the three and out or or all that half or or more of the time. This is game one mm-hmm. with a bunch of new players. So yeah. if all of those players understand the assignment to a greater degree in mm-hmm. week two, week three, week four, week five. The, the the motto of USC this year is the longer it goes, the better we get or whatever. Like, if that is true, then your outrageously over-aggressive defense can be very effective at times. Right. If yeah. that is true. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Big T37 is MJ3 Hurt. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw somebody dress. say he was in street clothes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know the severity of that. I don't know if Lincoln Riley's talked about the severity of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he he did not dress um, on Saturday night or tonight. Um, Lamont says, was it inevitable that the Pac-12 was going to Pac-12 the game with the 12-minute reply of the onside kick? That was so dumb. It was horrible. Like, you had the review... The review of the review, the complaining of the review. These are the only... uh, I watch a lot of college football. And maybe it's just selective memory, but I swear to God, this has happened... The review of the review has happened to USC multiple times in in, in my lifetime of watching USC. And I don't think I've ever seen it happen to other schools. Like, it just... (laughs) The it's best a, one is the Oregon game, 2006, yeah, that, that, the one the, that took like 18 minutes. The one that literally yeah. they timed it. It was a 20-minute review, yeah. That review was dumb. Um, I, I was annoyed, uh, just n- not, I, I don't know if this was on the refs or not, but like the number of defensive holdings should definitely be a concern and a point of correction for USC yes. um, going forward. I I, uh, I agree. But I just hate seeing refs on my screen. I just not, I'm not a fan I'm especially not a fan when you're supposed to have inconclusive evidence for a review and you spend five minutes looking at the review and then saying that you've decided that the there was no illegal touching, even though we all watched the video. Like, if 
I don't, I don't know. There was definitely an illegal block though. So, but that doesn't matter because reviews don't let you actually. Oh, the legal block on the kick? On the onside kick. Yeah. The, the whole thing was weird and I never yeah. saw an accurate review. I was like right under a TV. I couldn't actually see the TV. Yeah. Um, Ramon Murdy says, will the O-line shuffling end by the third game? Uh, maybe. Uh, I, I, I don't know that there's a definitive timeline. Set for yeah, I wouldn't put a timeline. I would think that the O-line shuffling will end as soon as as soon as the clarity on the O-line sort of comes and that might be in the second game that might be in the fourth game it, I I don't know that I'm certain that it'll, it'll like we said going into the season you depending on what Colorado and ASU are you have six games to get things right so you have a, a sort of six game window before you have to have all of that locked in stone I think yeah um Roger Dodger says, I called for Grinch to be fired, but the narrative was that Grinch needed players. Complete BS, Alicia. LOL, they lied to us. Is it a lie if they believed it? Because I believe okay, that George. They... <laughs> no, it's, I believed that they believed well, it. I, I, think, I don't think they were lying. Like, it doesn't have to be a lie if somebody thinks a thing. Like, I come into the season thinking that USC is going to be better on defense. I wasn't, I, I, I'm right. If it turns out that USC's defense isn't any better, which I'm still not ready to sort of put that down in stone yet. Was but, I lying about can, that? No, it was, can it, be both it was an opinion. I think, I, I think SC does, did need to get, improve the talent. Yeah. Did need to improve the talent. Yes. On defense. Uh, especially when you look at the, where the talent was, um, going into last year and even at, especially at the end of last year after the guys who had left at the end of the season, all that stuff. Yes, the talent needed to be better. And I do think that any coach, regardless of who it is, needs to be given some leeway, especially in year one, mm -hmm. in order to, uh, you know, take the time to not only implement their system, but use the, get the players that they want to use. At the same point, we talked about before, by this point, SC has gotten so many transfers that this is this is this is their dudes. They they've they've handpicked their players on defense because they're all these transfer guys. So you we we can't talk about that anymore. At the same point, we said after the Tulane game, the Tulane game was well, I am someone who absolutely I think that Barring like a her like the worst of the worst, everyone should get the should get a an option for the second year, right? No matter what. Um, but I thought that the Tulane game qualified as one of those worst of the worst scenarios, and they could have gone away from Grinch after the Tulane game. So like I would have understood it if they didn't. I would have understood it if they you know ran it back. They ran it back. Um, now it's on them to prove it. To, to prove that that was the right decision. It's one game. And I know that one game, you, you want to get an, an answer as fast as you can. And I get that there's there's signs here that show that the answer might not be what you want it to be. And I may, might not bet on the answer being what you want it to be. But it's also still only one game. Like, well, like what, what, what are you going to do at this point, right? Like, what are you going to do? It's, yeah, we, we, it's... You got to yeah. let it play out. 
Like they, uh, they made yeah. the decision. You gotta let it play out now. Uh, West Texas Mike says the chain lean play it down tonight. I, I never, I never saw him. I looked at, I did not notice him at all. Uh, yeah. I looked it up and Ryan Abraham mentioned that he was out there alongside Eric Gentry. So it does look like he did play, but he is not on the stat sheet. Um, yeah. Uh, Dan says with the kickoff return for a touchdown, do you think guys, um, do, do you guys still think that we shouldn't return any punts or kickoffs? Or do you think that we now might warrant a special teams coach? Uh, number one, I was not factoring in Zach Branch becoming the second coming of Adoree Jackson. Um, and number mm-hmm. two, I get, I know, I, I get it. I get it. Everyone's obsessed with the special teams coach. But like USC, Zach Branch scored, did what he did on kickoffs and punts tonight without a special teams coach. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, John Baxter looked like a genius also, special like, teams coach when Adoree Jackson was returning a, his kicks. There is, there is a... They are coaching through special teams. It's like there's no coach. It's no, just they like have no special, dedicated. No, there's coach. no dedicated special teams. No coach, dedicated full time. Which people coach. spent years complaining about USC having and right. wasting a, de- a spe- dedicated special teams coach when they had bad special teams. I, I just uh, I don't have I don't have patience for the special teams thing. I, do, I just yeah. don't. I just don't. That's not USC's problem. My, my three least favorite conversations. Captains. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. Everybody's an expert on strength and conditioning coaches. Everyone has the worst, by the way. But oh my God, you get a new one. Jesus, the, they're the best. They're yeah, every, the, everything's different oh. this year, Michael. Everything's so much more intense this they're year. They're just they're not going to have soft body injuries like last year. <laughs> like they have figured it out. Like they are yeah. stronger. They are faster than they've ever been. Um, and then the other one is special team stuff. Just because, like it, it. The, the yo-yo of the, the John Baxter thing um, it was was always was always difficult. Uh, Lamont says, do you know uh, what games will be on the Pac-12 network this year? Because I'm not sure how much more I can watch of the volleyball banner at the bottom of the screen the whole game. <laughs> uh, next week is Pac-12 network, and then that should be it for USC. They're yeah. obligated to do two. They're obli- You're obligated to have as many Pac-12 network appearances as home out-of-conference games. USC has two out of conference oh, home games. So it's not three? So it's two this year. Oh. Well then there you go. I looked the, this up. They're getting the, the two out early. Mm-hmm. At, least. at least two. They could be more. But yeah, two is the, yeah. the, the, the minimum. Ideally, USC this next week will be the last of it. You can't account for what happens in the season and if you end up on Pac twelve network right. again later. But right. I think Because uh, you ESPN, could have just one of the most boring games. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, I think ESPN Probably and not. Fox want USC to be on them. Caleb's going to sell. Yeah. Caleb's going to, yeah. yeah. Gonna, yeah. So it's going to sell ad spots. Yeah. Um, Reverend says, is it time for Jesse to go to bed as, and all of us as well? <laughs> yeah. Je- Jesse is now over your corner, yeah, your, your shoulder. Jesse started out on the floor and then she decided she was gonna go back and lay in her, lay in her little couch. Will, thing. will she come up and be a star on the, on the, camera truly like what would, would she come up to you if you, if you called her absolutely not you know this dog Michael. i know i'm, she just, I'm is... playing host here i'm playing host jesse jesse she i think she's straight up asleep is she really she's not even opening oh, her hold, eyes hold on. let's just not look at her and just let's just talk about if we were going to the park she's asleep because there's no way her wow. ears don't move forward if uh so if we, we were just word. talking about if we were going to go outside and go to the park. 
Nothing. Okay. All right. Uh, final question. Um, <laughs> final question comes from Matt Kumagai. Food would there, would you rather Lunchables forever or couple no, couple noodles forever? Uh, lunch. Well, I'm a. I. Mm. There's a very simple answer for. This. I think. My thing so, is okay, Lunchables has a lot of varieties now. So like if I have the full spectrum of Lunchable varieties, that's probably where I go just because then there's, it's, it's not just all like that's, that's noodles, a good point. like noodles all the time. Noodles. I, I, especially when there's only like two good flavors, a cup of noodles. I mean, there are a lot of different flavors of cup of noodles, but the content content is all noodles. So there's, there's limitations there. Sure. Lunchables, you've got like Lunchables pizza, you've got the like you know, ham and cheese, you've got like all all sorts of other like, so, things. So when we say forever, are we talking about like forever, like you can when only you have forever, this for you lunch? Mean forever, Michael. Or is it like forever, like this is all we're ever eating no, for this, eternity? This sounded like forever eating for eternity. Oh, well. I don't want either. The chat seems to all Everybody be in says consensus cup on cup yeah. of noodles. And I get it because cup of noodles are better than Lunchables. But I will stand by variety has to come into play at a certain point. And I do not think I would enjoy just eating cup of noodles for the rest of my life. But like you're, you're, there's there's only so many uh, uh, turkey and cheese crackers. Yes, you can but have. that's why if it's only the turkey and cheese crackers, then... That's oh, one awake. thing. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> that is a tired puppy. Yeah. All right. All right. We're, we're going to wrap it up. I'm a tired there. Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> we wrap it's, this up. it's almost midnight. So yeah. uh, we'll be back on Monday. As always, uh, you guys give us a call. 818-634-7227. That is the phone number. Uh, you can call into the rant line. Uh, sorry, 818-643-7227. I can't even say the, the number right. 818-643-7227. It's on the screen. There yeah, you go. There it is. I was going to say, we have an overlay for this. Yeah. 818-643-7227. Uh, give us a call into the rant line. Give us your thoughts about the game. Ask us a question for Monday's show, whatever you want to do. Uh, leave us a rant, a rave, what, whatever. It is uh, It is your show. Take the thing over. Whatever you want to do. Um, do those things. Um, big shout out to everyone who joined us uh, for our meetup on Friday night, by the way. That was a, that was a lot of grand fun. old time. It was great as always. Um, we, we love to hang out with the Rotbots. Uh, and of course, we love all of you guys joining us here on YouTube. Be sure to make sure you like the stream and subscribe if you're new. Um, you can like the stream even if you're old too. That's fine too. Um, and you can join us for members only content as well. Four ninety nine a month, get members only shows on uh, Thursday nights. We're doing uh, Ren Troy After Dark, which is just uh, another stream where we can talk about more USC news that breaks maybe later in the week. But also, um, you know, just hang out with you guys. Hang out with the uh, with the Rot Squad as well. So lots of content coming your way. We'll be back Monday nights, five p.m. Pacific. Big thanks to everybody who's joining us here. And uh, until then, we will see you. See ya. See ya. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.